We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking news, strategy, and our favorite outfield targets on Underdog here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're sponsored by Fantrax, the most customizable free commissioner service in fantasy sports. And Underdog Fantasy, home of the biggest best ball contest in the industry. Great to be back on this Friday with you, Todd. The spring games getting underway. Your Red Sox in action uh, against Northeastern. So they're they're doing some damage, um, as, you, as you'd probably expect against a, a college team. And then in uh, about an hour or so, we got Texas and Kansas City and Seattle and San Diego. So finally... There are baseball games being played here in the States again. I have, t- yeah, there's a couple earlier. I've turned them off, so I'm not going to be distracted, but I had to turn them on just to make sure that my TV still was working. So, you know. Masataki Yoshida's first spring training RBI. So Woo! welcome stateside Masataki Yoshida. Woo! And uh, yeah, he's that sound you hear is his, his price soaring. Not from just one spring training hit, but I do think he will. Uh, you never know. He will be getting costly in drafts as we get closer to opening day. I saw he was batting fit this season, but do you think there, or this uh, game, this exhibition game, don't want to read too much into that. Do you think there's a chance he's leading off Yoshida for this Red Sox? That's, I mean, that's, that's what I've heard thus far. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of have to see that Boston does have some moving parts, not. Maybe not as many as they've had in the past, but I think it was just more maybe to get a look at some of the other guys. I don't know, um, you know, but 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 I don't. I do not see Yoshida hitting in the five hole come opening day. Yeah, I'm with you. And tomorrow, the first full slate of spring training games. So I'm excited, man. We'll be seeing guys eased in, and of course, you know, a lot of the starters get shuttled out early in these games, but still just good to have baseball back on the TV. And I'm excited to, uh, you know, there's what there's baseball on pretty much every day, except for the all-star break. Uh, now until November. Yeah. Every day, aside from the all-star break. Yeah, I haven't, I didn't look at the schedule, but the past couple of years, 
the tendency has been to have been day games just about every day, which is, mm-hmm. you know, real nice for those of us that work at home and can work with a baseball game on in the background. I mean, I've enjoyed over the winter having, uh, having psych be on starting in January on my cable network from two to four, two to five, but uh, I'm willing to, I'm willing to put a baseball game on instead and, and catch the rerun for the 18th time, you know, come, come the fall. Absolutely, man. Well, we got some news coming in. I mean, nothing, nothing too earth shattering, but uh, we'll try to keep you updated on all the happenings in spring training. Yes, news coming across the wire. And, you know, this isn't really news, but I just wanted to mention that, you know, Hunter Brown appears to be heading to the opening day rotation. We all kind of assumed that with Lance McCullers hurt, but uh, like with Masataki Yoshida, Hunter Brown's price from here is about to. Uh, increase to say the least. So I'm kind of wondering, Todd, if you at this tentative stage see yourself paying an increased price for Hunter Brown of the Astros. I am ruining not having gotten Hunter. I think I did get him in a couple of underdog, yeah, but so. I am regrowing. Regrowing? That's a combination <laughs> of regret and re and ruining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am ruining not getting Hunter Brown because I I do like the, well, who doesn't like the pitcher? But you're right. The price now, there's always someone who wants that shiny new toy. And um, I like there was a bit of a dip early because of McCullers being healthy and you could get him a little early, but that's gone. That's just gone. Yes. Matt Leahy said in the chat, yesterday's price is not today's price. So, um, that's deep. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the case for Hunter Brown. <laughs> that is deep. That's the case for Hunter Brown. And uh, yeah. Really, everybody. So, yeah, that's the market's constantly shifting. The target is constantly moving, but we'll do our best to, to keep you updated on on the rising values and uh, shifts in the market. Uh, since we were talking about Brown, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, Jordan Alvarez, his teammate, not doing any on-field drills with the Astros right now. So he got that left hand. He had issues with both hands last year. Is this nothing or something for you, Todd, with Jordan Alvarez? This is this is a lot. I mean, this is very concerning for me. Really? Yeah. I, I, he had both hands issued last year. Um, it's in its back, and he it just hasn't played yet. You know, the knees. You know, I mean, he had the surgery. We're hoping everything's okay there. But the point being, the the cost of acquisition of Jordan Alvarez is, you know, first rounder thirty, thirty five, forty dollars. It's huge. So I don't, and the fact that it's, just, he had both, you know, you know, he had hand surgery and everything he had, we don't know. And it's, and it's, it's recurred so quickly. I think you have to be concerned. I mean, I was, we're going to talk a little bit of, of, of underdog and outfield play. And he's a guy that I was, I actually, I profiled him. I think it was from my site from Masters ball. And I was so excited that I joined an underdog draft right away so I could try to get the fourth or fifth spot and draft him. Mm-hmm. Actually, I got the fifth spot, and I was psyched, but he ended up going fourth. Um, I get him, you know, I, I, I didn't do another draft right away, but I do have him. But now, I mean, uh, it's a bit of a risk. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be concerning. And maybe, there's a, you know, someone who's a doctor would out there be able to say, no, don't worry about it. But how can you not be when he had injuries to both hands last year, soreness, and it's back again? It is a little strange. 
old man knees and old man hands, I guess. And you're done Alvarez too. Just a little strange, but I guess you do have to. I don't know. Well, the I'm one... not lowering him. Like our next round table is coming out. Yeah. I'm not going to lower him this update, but it's something I'm well, definitely keeping in the back of my mind. The you know the optimistic glass half full part is even with the issues last year, he's still raked. Yeah, and in those best ball when he has a monster week. Yeah, you yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the fact that he's still crushed with, to me, it was more of imagine how he's how good he's going to be without the hand soreness more than anything else. So, yeah, I'm with you. The, the roundtable rankings could very well come out as we're on air, but I didn't touch him. I think other guys around him went up and down, so I don't remember if he moved or not, but I didn't touch him. Now, over in Atlanta, Ozzy Albies revealed today that he's... How about that? Uh, that he had, quote, a regular cleanup on his shoulder. So an arthroscopic procedure, going to be DHing early on. doesn't sound like he's really in danger of missing opening day, but... Um, now we know he's coming off a procedure. He's really hasn't hit for much. Well, he hit for power in 2021. So that was just really last year that the average and the power cratered. Um, really tough guy for me to value. I was just talking about that with James Anderson on the XM show. Really tough guy for me to rank right now, just because I don't know really what level he's at and what you're getting with Albies. Are you willing to, to take that shot, or do you see other second basemen you like at, at cost better? I think what it, I think that's the key is it cost. There mm-hmm. are still people pushing second baseman up because of the the it's a it's a quantity not quality position. I don't feel you need to push up an Albies to get the best player at second base. I'd rather get a good shortstop, a good third baseman, and I will settle for a decent second baseman later because the field, the, the inventory is just huge as you know, there's just a ton of second base eligible. So that that's my, my approach. I like Jose Altuve more than Albie. So if I want in, in the latest rankings, I'm going to have him higher than Albies. I think I had Albies higher previously. Um, I, it doesn't matter a ton, but depending on, you know, where, where he hits in that Albies, where he hits in the, in the Braves order is going to matter. Michael Harris is now a factor. I could see the two of them platooning in the two hole, depending lefty or righty. And then the other one hitting a little bit lower. Um, I, the, the, it's a good thing for the Braves. They've got so much flexibility. You know, they could pick a name out of a hat at one through five and still crush it. I'm going to tell you this right now. I do not think I'm going to have Ozzy Albies on a single team. Okay. I just don't, I don't see think it this year. I don't think I'm going to either. Not yeah. I don't think I'm going to either. And it's really, I enjoy. Sorry, go ahead. I say I like watching the Braves. I enjoy watching them play. But that's I. I, I just I think there's still a residual um, stud element to his game that I don't think we need to pay for. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's mostly well, it's uncertainty about health and performance, but also where he's going. I I need to attack starters, closers, yeah. catchers. I. There's yep. too many comparable players to Albies. Yeah. And I'm addressing other needs where he's going in draft. There's Yep. Well, you can't get everything you want, right? In a 15th especially, you can't get everything you want. And so I'm going to try to get more of what I want um where Ozzy Albies is going. I feel like I could get Jorge Polanco, Brandon Lau, somebody like Dang, this yeah, much later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You like Brandon Lau this year? 
I'm coming I, back, back on him now. So I do not as much as our colleague and partner Eric Halterman. That's all too big on him. Yeah, and I, so much so that I've actually grabbed him at a couple of um, underdogs just because um, Eric, Eric, you know, all right, whatever. And you mentioned Carrasco a couple weeks ago, Carlos Carrasco. So I took Carrasco as my last pitcher in a couple of underdogs too. So uh, if I if I if I win. I'm gonna to have to uh, you know share the wealth a bit with these people who are giving me my 16th, 17th, and 18th picks. <laughs> well, you know what? You gave me one, and after you you had one that I ended up taking in a couple subsequent one of your, your pitching flyers from last week. I forget. Oh, uh, it might have been Trevor Rogers. That's who. It was. Okay, okay. He was one of your last. Well, of, Tra- uh, Jay, we haven't done infielders yet, but Jake Cronenworth is the is the complete bargain. Is he the, your big bargain on the? Board? Uh, he's just the bar. Yes, he, it's silly. But anyway. Nice. Well, yeah, I just I wanted to mention that because about Albies because, well, it's arthroscopic and it doesn't seem like his availability for opening day will be affected. It's uh, just adds another layer of uncertainty for Albies for me. And elsewhere in that, well, not elsewhere in that division. He used to be in that division. Now you know with the Texas it, Rangers. You know what else it does? And I, maybe we're getting a little granular here. I don't know. But for the pitching – Sure would like Grissom and Albies to work together, you know, up the middle, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a double play combination, or even just because of the, the the shift rules. It's not so much double play combination, but just working in tandem where they're each going to be settled as, as far as where they're going to be playing, uh, and within legally legally put within the shift rules. Um, and I see. I'm the. I think that Grissom's going to be the shortstop. And I know there's some question about that still, but I'd like to get the two of them together on the field at the same time. And it sounds like that's going to be delayed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, before you made that good point, I had a sloppy transition to Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> I was trying to get to a DeGrom here. And he had a bullpen session, which is good, but apparently low-intensity fastballs. So um, just fastballs, apparently, and, <laughs> and relatively low velocity. Called it a small step, but a step in the right direction. I'm laughing because can you imagine? I'm trying to imagine myself in the box against a low velocity uh, Jacob Degrom fastball. <laughs> I'd be like like the kid in, in you know the the kid in uh, what was it uh, with the with the arm Rowan Rowan Gardner rookie of the like year a, yeah rookie of the year. I mean the bat you know the bat my gut would still be hanging out over the plate, but I would be in the bat corner of the box against a low a low yeah. impact Jacob Degrom fastball. It'd be like Barry Bonds in the movie (laughs) Whiffin, but it'd be against Grom's low intensity fastball. Yeah, Yeah, this is yeah, it's ninety five. It's low, you know. It's it's five miles an hour slower than normal. (laughs) Yeah, it's oh man. I would love to see what a low intensity Grom is like, (laughs) and you know when he was rehabbing in like Jupiter, the those youngsters got to see it. Yep, I think he was dialing up like ninety nine right away. Ooh, yeah. But it's getting to the point. You know, we're still, it's still only February 24th, but it's starting to get to the point where I think you, he's not on the mound and only throwing low intensity. I think you got to start wondering if he's available for opening day. Yeah. But if, yes, if you were willing to draft him, you know, if you, um, if you just figure he's going to give you 120 innings sometime between now and in November, I'm, you know, I think he'll get his 120. I don't know when they'll be, but I think he'll get him. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not as concerned. Um, but if you are one of those people that feel you need Jacob Degrom to win, 
and there's 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 evidence, right? If I keep saying, if he throws 150 innings, he's a first rounder. If he throws 170, 180, he's the best player in fantasy. So uh, you know, when you get him for 120, you're not going to get him because someone in the room is going to take the chance. Yep, and as we've talked about, that's just you and I both feel that's not a a chance you have to to take. There's so many ways to win, and no. um, I just want to yeah make par with those those early picks. Real quick, let's pause. I will bring you a quick word from our sponsor, Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball tournaments live including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players. You get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex. Each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with the promo code RWMLB. Not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks, but you also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. Well, Todd already drafted the $100,000 Dinger team, but you can Woo! draft the second place team. <laughs> well, I probably, I've drafted the top five. Are you kidding? Well, yeah, you've drafted and spent the money. Oh, so. uh, we shall see. We shall see. Oh, man. I, not, I love that format, man. Yeah, I'm getting I, so addicted to it. I have not quite, you know, I mean, I haven't ordered Lamborghini yet, but I am looking at colors. Nice. Well, I, um, yeah, we're going to be talking underdog a little bit later in our yeah. top outfield targets. Uh, really fun format. I'm having a blast with it. And I think I'm actually going to take some lessons learned from my underdog drafts into my traditional roto drafts actually and i'll talk a little bit about that with our outfield strategy talk a little bit later but uh, some other news starling Marte, who had surgery on both groins by the way took his first live bp of the spring thursday he also had a finger issue last year he sounded like he was just going through hell at the end of last season trying to play through all his injuries and now he's seemingly healthy first live bp as i mentioned uh, yesterday, really tough guy to for me to pinpoint right now, but an underdog in Roto, I think I'm going to be buying this this discounted price on Starling Marte. Just be conservative with the number of steals. He's going to be 34, I believe. The Mets did not run a ton, but again, you don't you don't pick up a Starling Marte or pay a Starling Marte, and then plant his butt on the on the base end or the bench. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll run if he can, but he is 34. So I think that I know what I've been saying a lot lately is don't count his steals. I mean, count them as a luxury, not like this is what I need, but he's kind of in between. So what I would do is be conservative and and, and figure, okay, 2025. And if he happens to get more, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the luxury, right? I don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're looking at your team, I have, st- these are my stolen base guys. Someone like to me, Asturio Ruiz, you're counting those as a luxury. Um, there's a lot of risk involved, but man, he could also steal 75 if things, and I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating if he, he could. 
Um, who was it? Yeah, you're said, driving the Asturi Ruiz train right yeah, now. Who was it that I, said I like they're going to? I might jump yeah. on board. Well, we could talk about him too. I uh, was it Jorge Mateo says put fifty in the book. Yeah. So I mean, I would put twenty or twenty five in the book for Marte, even though he's capable of forty, even at thirty four years old. And we talked to, in one of these recent weeks about his success rate plummeting, but I'm kind of willing to give him a, a little bit of a pass there, given the groin issues and everything else going on. I still, and with the bigger bases, the throwover rules, I think he'll return to uh, close to 30, 30 bags. Right. So. But I think in your head, you're going to say, okay, there's 20 and then, you know, have 10 putting one, you know, you know, icing on the cake as opposed to, all right, I have 30 towards my 140 that I want. I think you have mm-hmm. to be a little conservative, excuse me, conservative there. Well, let's talk a little Asturi Ruiz of the A's. He really does. He feels a lot like uh, this year's Jorge Mateo. Like it feels like Jorge Mateo was in this exact spot last year, where you know, opportunity, speed, and that's that's really the only two things that you know seem to be pluses in his favor. But speed is such a big part of the game. Uh, not a total nothing as a prospect either. But if you take a shot on him, you're really going chasing after the speed is that a is that a worthwhile gamble in a traditional mixed league Asturi Ruiz so here's the difference between Mateo and Ruiz 474 457 and 402 those were those were uh Ruiz's OBPs last year wow. as he as, you know first in double a and then triple a then he got traded so this also in triple a but you know and that was it was just that one year the previous year in in double A was 325, then 300, 324. So last year, his both batting average and OBP just really spiked. So I guess when one does a MLE translation, it's really going to depend on how much you know force impetus that you put on last year versus previous years is where you're going to land with the OBP. Mm-hmm. Most, you know, Marcel's, most systems, you know, have last year around 50% of the total. And you're just going to have his OBP through the roof. And then it's, this is, you know, you mentioned, I think you mentioned Rob Silver earlier. This is one of Rob's things where you have to look at a projection as kind of in a practical point of view that if, you know, look at the playing, look at the projection, look at the slash line and look at the playing time. Do they, do they match in that, if he slashes, if he performs at that level, well, then the player is going to get more playing time mm-hmm. than the system says, and sometimes vice versa. Sometimes you see a play with a bunch of playing time, but there's no way he plays that much if he produces at that level. So my point being, if Ruiz and last year Ruiz it was only well, 35 at bats, a two fifty, uh, a one ninety four OBP. So you know, in, in you know, in, in a month. If not even even that, in, in, in a week for some people, he, he just didn't get on. So it's where you it's where that OBP is because he's gonna he's gonna run about half the time that he that first base is uh, second base is open and he was on. You know, I mentioned I just I, I read the the three OBPs, 37, 23, and 25. He stole, I mean, that's almost that's almost a hundred. I mean, last year he stole uh, uh 85 bases. In 185. 85 bases and only caught 14 times 
in 114 games, 540 plate appearances. So this is where the translations just go through the roof. Um, so well, those are really encouraging on base numbers. You're right. Yeah, so this is why. Yeah, but you know, it was one year. Was it? You know, is it, is it sustainable? What, what what was it? Something he figured out. Now pitchers are going to attack him, and 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 you know, flip the script again. But the point, the upside here is just huge. So I want, I I, I want some of Asturias Ruiz, just because I mean, it's not just dreaming. I mean, the numbers are the, the OB. It was just through the roof. But you can't you can't say. You can't say for the past four years he's gotten on base forty percent of the time. It's for you know five months of you know in minor leagues, but you know he but he's twenty two and twenty you know twenty three years old. So the age versus level is is kind of right on target. Maybe not so much for the double A, but for the triple you know twenty three year olds and triple A is fine. So I want I don't I want to be a year too early for Ruiz. I don't want to be a year too late. Um, so uh, if you can get him at a point where I'm set, you know, in a 15 team mixed league where I'm set and I kind of like what I have, do I take Marcana? Do I take some boring, you know, it's going to be nice, but you know, I can wait three rounds and get someone similar outfielder or do I take Ruiz anyway, win me the league? I don't, I don't need his steals. But add on what I have and add on 50 or add on 40, and now suddenly I win the league. That's kind of where I'm at with Ruiz. Interesting points. I typically don't like this type of player where it's kind of like, oh, these are my magic solution to make up everything in the in stolen base department, like kind of like Mondesi was last year. I just, well, it rarely works out. But these on base skills that you, you mentioned, you know, I don't want to completely. Right off is Thierry Ruiz as like a one trick pony because that not that may not necessarily be what he is. Well, with Mon- the difference with Montesi and Miles Straw, for instance, you know you're going to get those forty steals. I only need eighty more. My 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 approach is I've got 110, 120. I don't need Ruiz, but good lord, what if I add those on? Then mm-hmm. it's I, you know I aim for the middle of the pack and see what happens. Now suddenly you're at the top. And now, you know, things like, and as far as the other, the other numbers go, he had 15 homers, 16 homers, you know, math is hard. He had 16 homers along with those 85 homers, three different levels. I know minor leagues, et cetera, but the, he's not a, he's not a mile straw in that the only home run he's going to get is an inside the Parker. Yeah. He's doesn't seem like a non or he it seems like he's got a little thump. I, I don't know how much. And again, I, these guys who kind of seem like, Oh, they're the, they're the magic solution. They're the one guy who's going to tie the whole team together. It just rarely works out that way. So I, yeah. yeah. No, yeah which is why I'm saying luxury. Not, yeah. Not, not foundation. Yeah. If you already have the foundation, you're adding to it. Sure. But if you're, you're looking at him as like a makeup play. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to work and out. Very well. If, if it turns out, that he becomes the, the 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 fancy makeup play, he's going to get priced out of my range pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. His his price, I do expect to jump considerably. But, I mean, I you know, I think who is it? It was it Ruiz or somebody else? Maybe it was we. You know, we talked a little bit ago with with James on XXM. I think it was Ruiz. You know, I'm doing AL labor. Um, I can't say that I'm going to leave the room with him, but I if I don't have the last bit, I probably will have the second to last. 
Yeah, I think you or James are going to be taking him. Well, well James made – I think James just teasing that he was going to price him up. Or maybe James likes him. If I think only, James kind of likes him. I was going to say, if there's only a way I could find out how much James likes him. <laughs> there might be a way. Uh, over in New York, Aaron Boone made some comments where he kind of left open the door for maybe Clay Holmes pitches some outside the ninth, but he said that he expected Clay Holmes to get uh, to close most of the games for New York. So that's some – yeah, encouraging quotes overall from from Boone on in regards to Clay Holmes's value, and since we're on the topic of the Yankees, just talking with James about this guy, and uh, our own uh, Scott Jenstead was just pumping him recently. Oswald Peraza. Yep. If you know, we assume this, but more confirmation that he is on the inside track to start at shortstop. Maybe people see uh, IKF think he'll still be a, a big part of the mix. Anthony Volpe. But, man, Oswald Peraza's a heck of a prospect. James has him number two in the organization. Had a lot of success right away. He was only 57 plate appearances, but uh, can run a little bit. And, <clears throat> man, it just seems like a great fit for a player on the rise and seems to be going way too low right now. Would you agree with that as a general assessment on Oswald Peraza? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a tweet, and this is a little while ago. I don't know that I'm going to be able to find a tweet that quickly. But, yeah, that's exactly – I mean, I, when I profiled him for either us or ESPN or our own site, I was very high on him. I was like, whoa, I opened my eyes. And mm-hmm. um, I think I said something like, now I can see why the Yankees weren't going to overpay for Carlos Correa or one of those guys. And mm-hmm. I, I – it was probably in a mock or two. But I do like what I am seeing – James has seen him and scouted him. I mean, it's more of a number scouting. And it's kind of nice that my number scouting matches what these people might have actually would have actually have seen. But yes, I um a lot of pressure for a kid to play shortstop for the Yankees, but I absolutely liked what I saw. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that you know we see a lot of these guys in big markets, especially New York. It feels like a lot of those players are usually taxed up. Because, hey, Yankees fans, they want to draft their players and, and have fun. You should always strive to have fun in fantasy. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't seem to be getting that tax for whatever reason. I think IKF is pretty much, uh, you know, just on the back burners. He's, he appeared in 142 games last year, but I'd be shocked if he came close to that. I'd be shocked if he cleared 500 plate appearances again. So uh, I actually picked Oswald Praz in a few – of those underdog best balls, you grab him. No, I do not because the problem being there is a it might not happen. That's so, true. And, and, and you just can't, you, there's no replacing these players. You only get 20. So, you know, mm-hmm. and you get seven or eight infielders or six or eight infielders. So, he is, I figure, I'm going to get him in enough other places where I can replace him if it doesn't work out. Um, so that. You know, I'm not going to have FOMO. I'm going to get. I'm going to get Peraza somewhere. Well, Cody Bellinger now with the Cubs, he's already tinkering with his stance in camp. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a bad sign if you ask me. A guy who, you know, has really been trying to figure it out for years and still trying to tinker. Um, you know, I kind of like Bellinger just as like a fan. He, he seems kind of like funny and, and cool, but man, it's been a 
steep decline for him. And the fact that he's already, I don't want to put too much stock into it, but the fact that he's already kind of trying to tinker may lead me to drop him just a few spots because I just want to have him in a place where I don't really ever have to consider him. Cody Bellinger. He's been tinkering, which is part of the issue. Mm-hmm. I think the, the hope was the Cubs would, you know, maybe, maybe he's tinkering to what the Cubs are saying to do. And that's just what they're calling it. I don't know. But yeah, no, the, the, his, his fall from t- to 2019, I don't know that I've seen anything like it. Hmm. And man, um, it just, just, you know, just looked into him a little bit too for the rankings and otherwise, cause I had him as a top 60 outfielder. I'm like, would I really draft him? Uh, you know, I guess top 60 though, could mean an SP four in a 15 team league. And I think I wouldn't mind him as an SP four, but I think I may have had him in the OF four. Yeah. an OF four. Sorry. Yep. an no, OF four. So I think I may have, I think I may have been trying to you know, justify top 50 and not top 60. I know it doesn't seem like much, but you know, I think, I think you have to be careful. Wow. I don't know that I have FOMO with Bellinger cause I, but it's there. He's done it in, you know, but baseball is cute. Once you own a skill, it's yours. But I think we don't enough. We don't say once you own lack of a skill, you own that too. Mm-hmm. And he owns both. So where's he going to be? Yeah, he's a really tough guy to, to peg for me for 2023. And maybe he finds it. I don't think it's going to be on my watch, though, Cody Bellinger. And this this whole Cubs team is just kind of strange. Just, I mean, they, they brought in Dansby. They brought in Trey Mancini. But it seems just kind of like a hodgepodge uh, holdover type of uh, roster as they rebuild this farm system. It's, I really am not ending up with hardly any of these guys. Uh, maybe Ian Happ, maybe Dansby, but even Dansby, I find the cost to be a little prohibitive myself. So, not a team I'm expecting to be watching or uh, heavily invested in this season, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I think that's probably the wise move. Uh, Kyle Wright's nursing a shoulder issue. I asked James this, and I'll throw it by Utah. Do you think Kyle Wright's going to go the way of Ian Anderson and kind of be a flash in the pan? Or do you think when he gets healthy, that Kyle Wright's going to return to being a, a quality option both for Atlanta and for fantasy managers? Well, I, I don't know what James said. Uh, I heard some of the show. I didn't hear, happen to hear that particular answer. But I'm, I'm going to assume with something along the lines of let's not write off Anderson just yet. But that's not really the point of your question. Anderson was is all about the control just went goofy. I think I think Wright's baseline control over the course of his career has uh, I don't know I can't even say that because it kind of last year it did kind of yeah so maybe all right that is a good comparison because um, the question is will Wright's control continue to be below average whereas in the in previous at least in his major league time. He had trouble finding the plate. I know it was very, very, very limited appearances. Um, um, I think it's a different kind of, you know, he's not just a fireballer, which I, I understand to me, you know, can you control the fastball? I think it's just, just overall more the pitch selection. I think I'm less concerned about right as far as just suddenly losing it than I was about Anderson. 
but uh, who was kind of like Atlanta had a pitcher the year before, and it, it, it will come to me. Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, yeah. You who that, Oscar? You know, yeah. Good yeah they kind of come out of nowhere, and then you know, they they they're not quite as good. And I think we could say a little bit of the same. With it's a different team, but Trevor Rogers, um, you know, the guys that have such huge leaps or don't have the track record, you have to be wary of. Uh, but so I, I am worried about uh, worried about right. Um, this injury, and I, I think this hopefully this injury is just a jumping off point to talk about right, and we don't have to worry as much about the injury anymore. But right was not a pitcher that I have found my gravitating towards, and I, I haven't done as many draft, you know, draft about to do TGFPI and some other things. I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word target. But I don't expect to see right on a lot of my rosters. Me neither. And it's kind of an example of the fantasy community being too smart nowadays. Like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a guy who won 21 games he led the majors and wins, probably getting a lot of love. But it seems like everybody's looking at those underlying numbers, everybody's baking in uh, that heavy dose of regression and. Now the shoulder on top of it, and everybody's scared off. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm one of them. I hate to be in the group think, but you know, I was kind of not entirely buying his season last year to begin with, and now this, right. Right. just yep. all the more reason to uh, be off. Yep. And finally, at least for for recent news, no restrictions for Tyler Malley in Minnesota. Do you think, like with? Luis Castillo, that maybe his pastime with the Reds is just kind of weighing him down arbitrarily. He's not with the Reds anymore, folks. Tyler Malley doesn't have to uh, play uphill constantly. Um, are those down years with Cincinnati and all those tough starts in Great American Ballpark dragging Tyler Malley down more than he should? I think so. Um, I know the schedule isn't quite as favorable because you only get to play KZ in Detroit. Um, 13 times and not 19 times, but there's plenty of opportunity still to use a Tyler Molly. If he can stay healthy, he misses bats, issues are home runs. And, you know, so the Indians are, hmm, the Guardians are a good lineup. I need some shock therapy for every time I say Indians. The Guardians are a good lineup. So even though they're going to score some runs, they don't have the home run oomph that you, that you worry about for Tyler Molly. So I absolutely, am, uh, you know, uh, I don't think, I don't think we're talking about. We, we've already talked about pitchers. I don't remember if Molly came up with underdog, but I've got four or five, you know, aces. When I'm looking to fill out my staff with a guy that can pop any particular week, Tyler Molly is on my sixth and seventh starting pitcher spot in underdog. Awesome. Well, we'll pause briefly. And it'll be very brief for you listening live to the show. But we'll pause for a quick word from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Clay Link here with FSWA Hall of Famer Todd Zola. Todd, looking forward to seeing you in New York next month for Tout Wars. Should be a great time. And, uh, yeah, good luck in labor. I won't be there for First Pitch Florida, but you know, a lot of Rotowire guys in that labor, in those labor uh, league-only drafts. And wish the best to you and Colette and James as well, even though you all be at each other's throats trying to, to beat each other. But uh, I'll be watching from afar. And it uh, should be a, a really fun season. Um, before we get into our underdog outfield targets, I want to talk a little bit about outfield strategy for this year, Todd. I've been thinking about things and doing these underdog drafts. I kind of alluded to this. I think I want to take my lessons learned about the outfield from underdog and kind of translate them over to a standard roto with five outfielders. Now, I'm not saying I want to go five outfielders to start my draft, but I'm more open to going maybe three in the first five rounds or something like this. And actually, the year I won TGFBI, it'll always be the first, Todd. Kind of like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Smaller field back in the, <laughs> when he won the Royal Rumble. But there'll always be a first. And uh, no, But when I did that, I took three outfielders to start. I took Giancarlo Stanton, 
uh, J.D. Martinez, Christian Yelich. Outfield gets so hairy. And I know there's other scarce positions, but doing these underdog drafts has really made me realize just how bad the back of the outfield pool is. Do you agree that it's overall the back half of the outfield pool is pretty ugly? I agree. We may have different ways to get there, but I agree. Underdog, I mean, you know, real quick, uh, you need three infielders, three outfielders, and included within the infielders are catchers. Now, I know they're not all quality, underdog quality, but you've got four and a half positions, we'll call it, versus three. And and so just by sheer numbers, outfield is going to not be as as plentiful because it's just not as many. And in the outfield, you get more platooning than you do in the infield. So the the underdog just by nature thins out faster. Now, but I, I think whether it's coincidentally or not, what we're also finding when we're doing our draft and holds is that outfield thins, you know, I, I can wait on outfield. Ooh, my fourth and fifth outfielder. I'm looking at some pretty ugly, you know, I'm looking at some pretty ugly guys here. I, I didn't yeah. really, I didn't really expect, you know, to be thinking between, you know, Michael Taylor and Austin Slater is my fourth outfielder. You know, I, I expected <laughs> a better choices. Those are my reserves. So I do agree that, I mean, again, you're not going to get everybody, but you do because you're going to be trawling for some outfielders. And I agree with Uncle Ted about Brian De La Cruz, that he's someone to, to, to consider, you know, third, fourth, and fifth outfielder from Miami, that um, Uncle Ted's in the on the chat, for those of us, what, what Zola talking about mm-hmm. on our StreamYard, our StreamYard chat, the uh, where you get to actually look at our beautiful countenances, the... Um, I, I with you, uh, Ty. Ty, I mean, I want a good shortstop. I want a good third baseman, but if I'm looking at outfielder in the second base, uh, it's the outfielder every day. It's it's the outfielder every time. And so uh, many platoon outfielders too. Yeah. Now the one thing I will say is, and it's usually this way, and who's to say if it's this way again this year? But because historically it has been in a Fab League. Where you where you you can make replacements, TGFBI and FPC main event, uh, online championship, etc. There are usually more outfield replacements available, in part because of the platoon. Once you get deeper into the season with injuries, whereas you don't want to draft a platoon guy because he's not getting as many at bats, these guys become your better replacements because they're better than you know they're they're getting more at bats than the infielders or whatever that are available. So in a league where you can replace players, I'm a little bit less worried about my back end outfield because I feel, I'm, you know, you can't get your closer and your fifth starter and every you know on you know fab. You have to you know if you're gonna your big your, your big fab acquisitions, but I feel while others are chasing some of these other positions, you can sneak in and upgrade your outfield in a mixed league. So in TGFBI, I'm, I'm more uh, amenable to, and eh, my fifth outfield is not all that great, but it's going to be in a month. It's going to be someone completely different. I hear you, man. I I've mentioned in the past that I want to prioritize catcher a little bit more this year, and you can't get everything you want again. Yeah, but uh, I want to. You know, I'm really want to load up on the top outfielders. I need to, you know, complain now. I'm singing that Rolling Stone song to myself all day now because of you. You can't always get what you want. <laughs> Uh, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. 
I mean, there's worse. Well, no, it's, a, it's an important thing to keep in mind for fantasy because. Yeah, what's all this thing, singing that's important? <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to come out of a draft feeling great, every spot covered, all their bases covered. But, you know, 15 team mixed, dra- mixed draft, mixed auction, you're going to have some spots. And Scott Pianowski said, you know, you're probably going to hate your team. And that's probably a good thing in a 15 teamer if you come out of it uh, not really feeling yeah, isn't it, great. What, what's weird is in a 12 teamer, you usually do feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you look at the other 11 teams, you go, wow, that's a good team too. That only three teams. That's, that's just, that's where the, that's where the, the cliff insanity is. That's where it falls so quickly. Um, you're right that you kind of, kind of have to go into a 15 team draft with a plan on how to not draft something early, but make up for it later. Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's still strong once in a while. It just, the room, the way things fail, your draft spot, the the way the wind's blowing, once in a while things just fall into place, right? Mm-hmm. It usually it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're going to win with that team. But if I draft ten teams, you know, a couple of draft champions and TGFBI, whatever, there's always that one team that like, whoa, I love this one. For me, it's usually a mock. Mm-hmm. But you know, my 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 mo is I do my best in leagues that don't pay the most money. But anyway. Well, I'm glad we touched on that because I wanted to at least at least mention that, you know, my eyes have kind of been opened through these underdog drafts as to just how shallow outfield really is, especially when you have to start five of them. Yep. Um, I think we all kind of think of, you know, catcher, third base. Outfield this, is real thin, actually. And this is why I think it's a Will Myers, okay? Mm. You draft him as your corner, but if you need, you can put him on the outfield. You know, things like I think you you try to get yourself. I mean, Hunter Dozier depends if you believe he's going to, you know, there, there's look at some first base outfield and, and try to put them in the middle, knowing that if you don't find that outfielder later, you're going to get that corner. You know, you're going to get Rowdy Telez or whoever it might be and then move, you know, shift Wyatt Myers to the outfield. We don't outfield first base. Eh, we don't think you know, kind of wave that off as dual eligibility. I think it's really important, uh, really important this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point too. And yeah, I just wanted to before we got into the specific yeah uh, outfielders we're targeting, I wanted to mention just how I'm kind of using my experience on underdog. No, to, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, using that strategy and carrying it over to uh, traditional leagues because it has dawned on me just how how ugly it gets. But now let's get into our official underdog segment of the week. Use. Promo code RWMLB. Not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks, but you also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Todd, today's main subject of conversation uh, in regards to best ball top outfield targets. Of course, we all want to grab one of those top dogs at the very top of the board if we can. But as we're making our way down, trying to get to the, uh, the magic number of six outfielders, who are we? grabbing in our drafts. And uh, my number one is Brandon Nimmo. Not always the biggest Nimmo guy in traditional head to, uh, traditional 5 by 5 roto because he doesn't stand out with the power, doesn't stand out much with the speed, but he's got the perfect skill set for, for a points league like this. I'm kind of surpri- surprised at how reasonable he is. Most outfield prices on underdog are through the roof, but it always feels like Nimmo's price is, is right for me. My concern with Nimmo 
and this is the concern in, in any format is last year he shed the injury bug. Is that is it is he done? Is is he now not injury prone? Because again, in in, in underdog, you can't replace him. So it's just yeah. if he happens to be out during the playoffs, because you have to keep in mind it's a cut line type format. That's my only issue. I'm trying to see around that range who I'm getting uh, from for outfield. I don't see anybody in the outfield that I'm kind of picking in that range of Nimmo. I have actually picked up Kristen Yelich hmm. a couple of times in that range. I've got some other guys that I know I'm getting, but I'm looking around the ADP in the in the mid fifties. I was all over Corbin Carroll early, but I kind of felt as if I can't have Corbin Carroll on every team, so I need to back off of Corbin Carroll. But a few rounds later, and I'm constantly I'm, I'm playing chicken with my room with Anthony Santander. He's the guy that I when I have my two outfielders early, and I want my third, it's usually Santander, and his ADP is around 85. I have him ranked in the 60s, so it's like, am I, is he gonna is he gonna make to me is he gonna make to me that round in between where I have him where you know where I have him ranked in well, 85 is what that's the seventh or eighth round. So do I take him in the sixth where I have him ranked, or do I try to get him in the seventh around before his ADP? So I'm always playing chicken with Santander. Yeah, Anthony Santander was on my list as well. Really good outfield pick, I think, if you can get him. Um, that's when the it really gets into the weeds where, I mean, he's like the last, him and J.D. Martinez, who's on my list, kind of the last good outfield options, I feel like. Uh, yeah, J.D.'s on there. UT only, of course, in traditional uh, fantasy leagues this year, but J.D. does get lumped in with the outfielders on underdog and uh, uh, kind of chasing the narrative a little bit on this, but I love that he's back reunited with his old hitting coach that kind of fueled the breakout. L.A. always seems to get the most out of their guys. They have great training and development staffs. So, you know, J.D. at cost is just, I mean, a, a must for me right now in underdog. I'm loving J.D. Martinez. Yeah, um, I am as well. And I think Dodger Stadium is actually better for his power because right center field power is easier to reach in, in Chavez Ravine than it is in Fenway with the the, uh, the deep right field or, or deep right center field. Um a guy I like, you mentioned before, in that in, it's kind of in this range is Ian Happ. Hmm. Um, I am not into four or five man stacks in this format, but I do like trying to pair Pacific specifically, specifically an infielder and an outfielder. And you also mentioned Dansby Swanson. I like him at his price. So I've got a lot of squads. And we keep saying a lot of squads for those that aren't aware. Underdog is designed for you to have a lot of squads. So yeah. it's not something that, you know, ah, oh, you guys play so many leagues. Of course you're going to have, you know, underdog is designed to have multiple teams. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel quite as cheap talking about all my underdog teams because that's the format, $10 a pop trying to win a hundred thousand. That's, that's the plan. Anyway. Um, so I do like Hap. Um, going to get the playing time. And just as he, about to tease a breakout and get hurt. I, I think this is, I think this could be the year that he kind of stays healthy and we see, we see that breakout. He could run a little bit too. Smart player that could benefit by the changes. 
got some good answers or responses in the chat as well. Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez of the Guardians getting a fair amount of love in the chat. I didn't include him on my list, but I have considered him. Uh, the strikeouts, though, take away a little bit from him, ding him in my eyes a little bit in this points format. A lot of swing and miss uh, for Oscar Gonzalez. Next on my list is Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, that's at the point where, and I don't love to do it. I kind of have to hold my nose, but you get 20 roster spots in total. And I do like to do the seven, seven, six and getting the six outfielders is tough. But I, I think when it gets to that point, McCutcheon makes a lot of sense because bad team, bad park to hit in. But um, I think by himself, he could drive in like 60. So maybe he gets up to like 75 RBI. Yeah, so I'm going to – yeah, right be, – a little bit before McCutcheon for me is Riley Green, and I am I, I just kind of see a breakout, so I think he's just being downgraded a little bit. He didn't – he wasn't great in his – he was hurt last year. I do see a bit of a breakout in general. Maybe we can talk about him more of in, in a general case. But right next to McCutcheon in ADP is Austin Hayes. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I mentioned that I like – an infield and an outfield for my stack. If I can, end, if I end up with McCutcheon and Hay, uh, McCutcheon, if I end up with um, Santander and Hayes, I don't sweat it. Um, I don't expect them both to be in my lineup every week, but that week that the Orioles, you know, they pop, they have a good, they're facing some weak pitching or uh, et cetera. That's what you kind of want. So I am not at all against Austin Hayes. I know he's not an infield uh, outfielder, but, uh, Ryan Mountcastle is someone I'm often able to pick up uh, once I'm past my three infielders. And that there I get my infield outfield stack. Nice. Yeah, I I got to admit, Austin Hayes has been a little bit of a blind spot for me. I haven't really ever considered him this draft season. Uh, but he is very – what's that? He's a boring compiler. Yeah, he very is very much boring. But uh, I should probably give – him another look and Riley Green, who didn't really do much at all last year, but you know what? Really hyped as a prospect, and last year's last year. He didn't. It's hard to explain. I mean, not that hard. It's not hard to explain. It's easy to explain. He didn't. He hit for batting average, at least within realm of a rookie. He didn't run. He didn't get homers. So I don't. I think that that it's just growing pains, if you will. I think those will come. He wasn't overmatched. He didn't strike out a ton. He didn't. He got. He hit like two fifty six or something, which isn't horrible at all. Part of it's the expectations were so high. He was being, you know, he got hurt early, so out of rookie of the year contention. But he was ah the twi- the twins. The Tigers are going to have a chance for an extra draft pick because of Riley Green. That that kind of went away quickly. But I I think that sometimes we forget how we felt about a player a year later based on what they did, and some, the, sometimes the best pre-draft preparation is to look back at the previous year's ADP to remind ourselves what we thought of these players because one year might not be enough to change our opinions as much as we are. And I think that's the case with Green. Nice. And my last pick for top outfield targets, Jared Kelnick. Now bear with me. I know I was wrong previously, but um, look, Kelnick's still young. Still highly touted, and Rob Silver made a good point on this pod recently with James Anderson that for as bad as he's been, he's also been historically unlucky in terms of balls in play. So that's not all you know bad luck necessarily, but 
uh, he's really had a tough time on balls in play. So maybe partially bad luck mixed with the bad results and bad skills. But uh, even when I prioritize outfielders early, I'm finding myself an underdog struggling to get to six. So I've been popping up Jared Kelnick ahead of uh, ADP, well ahead of ADP in recent drafts. And uh, yeah, he's kind of my last outfielder target and we'll see. But when it gets to that point, there are very few outfielders that have any appeal. Right. I'm actually, I think, I think I'm going six, seven, seven. I was doing seven pitchers, but I'm Chris baseball on, uh, on Twitter. And I talked with him on a road wire podcast and convinced me to go, you go six pitchers and seven and seven. So I'm reaching for the last outfielder often. And sometimes it's Kyle Stowers to get another in a, in a Baltimore stack. But a, a guy that I am, you know, for the for the talk, and I know we want to cut it short or cut it off. Call me a homer if you want; I don't care. But Adam Duvall is there a player mm-hmm. built for Fenway? And I know we hit three home runs in a game, blah blah blah. I know whatever. But uh, if he can stay healthy and and play enough defense in center field, gee, a right-handed fly ball hitter in Fenway Park. Hmm. I, I if I get Tristan Casas earlier, then then I've got my infield outfield. Uh, potential double, double, double hit there. Um, so yeah, Adam Duvall is the outfielder that I'm getting, you know, for my seventh outfielder often. Nice. Well, that'll do it for our underdog best ball segment, our outfield targets. Uh, good luck if you're on there. You'll, you'll get caught up in the outfielder madness in a hurry and uh, you'll learn like, like I have that you need to prioritize that position, especially in underdog so again uh, my outfield targets were brandon nimmo anthony santander jd martinez andrew mccutcheon jared kelnick and then yours were anthony santander ian happ riley green austin hayes and adam duvall we had some oscar colas love in the chat just wanted to mention that Um, they were talking more in general not necessarily for underdog yeah yeah i that's that'd be a stretch in underdog yeah, because of the playing time, and you know, yeah. you know, we're just not sure about it. But I mean, I—he's another guy whose translations are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And will he? Will will he? Will if he? The playing time is limited, but if he meets the translations, he's going to play more. Nice. Well, real quick, one last note, if you'll bear with me, then we'll wrap things up on today's show. Fan tracks the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry. Plus, if you're like me and you are you know, a big Vladdy fan, you can sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jersey. You simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-R-F-A-N, rather, T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. If you have a dynasty league, keeper redraft, best ball leagues, if you're coming from another service, Fantrax makes it super easy. I know a lot of leagues are customizable. They're not standard five by five. They're leagues that have been going on and on for years and may have unique rule sets that you, you want to keep in place as you transfer to a new commission service. And guys, Fantrax will accommodate your needs and they'll make it easy to import uh, and and really easy to transition from your current commission service to Fantrax offers the most customizable op- uh, fantasy commission service on any platform waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule Fantrax offers custom solutions 
for all that and more. And the best part, it's all free. Again, F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We, of course, appreciate their sponsorship of the show. We appreciate everybody in the chat with us today and everybody listening on their traditional podcast platforms. Todd, we have an update to the Rotowire roundtable rankings coming. They're in the works. I've submitted mine. Uh, one guy I bumped up after, you know, there's some news that his first bullpen states I didn't go so well, but Kodai Senga seemed to kind of turn the Mets' worries or eliminate those pretty quickly uh, with his live BP session, making some of their hitters look pretty foolish with that ghost ball. Uh, don't really know exactly what that is, but apparently he hides it pretty well. And now I'm I kind of flipped, and the fact that he's able to have success and really kind of wow people with that live BP session. I'm kind of, I'm more receptive, more open to taking that flyer on Kodai Senga. I, I, I don't know where I, I, you know, part of it, cause I don't do as many drafts. I don't know his current NEP. I would like to get Senga in the SP four or five range, which, you know, 60 to 75. My I'm sensing he's probably higher than that. I may have to take him around, you know, high four, like around 50. I think he's probably close to SB 50. So it's not so much that I am anti-Kodai Senga. I am anti the fact that his name is spelled two different ways. And I had it the, the I had it with the U in my database and had to change it all. And, Ooh. you know, you know, and, uh, but yeah, so I spent five minutes taking the U out. Who was it? Someone just changed your name and then changed it back. Jeez. Thanks. Oh, um, Clint Frazier. Yeah. Thanks. 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 Jackson. Um, but anyway, my theory is that he changed it because of Jackson Mahomes. Yeah, very um, well could. But anyway, as far as, as, far as, as far as saying, I'm pitchers. Pitchers have translated better than hitters over the past couple of years, uh, especially you know you, they, they strike out more than their translations say that you to expect when they come from overseas, from Japan and Korea. Um, the ghost ball is real. The high, the gyro ball was was a myth apparently. So I I'm excited about Senga. I just don't know that I'm going to have him because all it takes is one in every room to want that toy more than me. And I think mm-hmm. that's, it'll be, that'll be the case. A guy that I added to my list and pushed up pretty highly is Jordan Walker. Now I, I defer to James and James kind of threw some cold water on it. Uh, this topic when we were talking on XM earlier saying there's a lot, a lot in St. Uh, Louis that his way, but we're talking about a top prospect in the game. So I'm thinking after guys like Newt Barr off the board, maybe like Harrison Bader, Riley Green. Hey, man, he could break camp with St. Louis. Maybe take the shot on Jordan Walker around pick 190. That's where I have him. So this is where I need to get better for the rankings in my own drafting. You're not gonna, you can't project him for a full season. You just mm-hmm. can't. So on an on a algorithmic or formulaic rankings, he's going to fall. But what you just said is exactly right. At some point, you know, do I take Jordan Walker or do I take – I used to be able to say Cole Calhoun or David Peralta. Who's the boring – do I take Austin Hayes? There you go. What about Austin or Alex Verdugo? Yeah, do I take – well, I, I think I think there's still a little bit of little bit of hope that Verdugo – Yeah, I don't completely hate a little Verdugo. something. No, no, I don't. He's, he's much. in hate. that boring range. I think there's a – he is, but I think there's a little bit of hint of more than boring. I think okay. Austin Hayes is, is kind of in that 
you know, good but boring range. So, yeah, so do I, I, I you know, my, my rankings say take Austin Hayes. But I think, you know, if, if you're playing in, if you do it 10 times and 10, if you take uh, Walker, you know, several of those times he's going to hit, hit, but I mean, you know, he's going to, you know, be successful. You know, he's going to hit, therefore he's a hit for your, for your pick. And your team's going to be better than my Austin Hayes team. I think there'll be times where he doesn't though. That's I'm not taking that chance in the third round, but yes, when 190 is what uh, 13th, 14th, 15th round, absolutely. So I don't get Hayes at that point. I can wait a few rounds and get you know someone a little bit lower on the food chain. So I had to find a, the, the best way to balance my algorithm ranked algorithm pushed fueled rankings with lo- logical common sense what one would do in a room type rankings. Well, that's the thing. It's always, we're always trying to find that sweet spot. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And it's never, never one side size fits all because mm-hmm. it depends on what I already have on my team. And I know, you know, it sounds like a cop out now and just answer the questions all, but you know, well, I, am I willing to take that chance? Depends. Did I already take a chance on Riley green? Then I'm mm-hmm. less likely to take the chance on Jordan Walker, but you're right. The, you know, and the thing is, too, you're talking about um, outfield. I think he's only third base eligible. And it's maybe on draft day. I don't know exactly. Yeah. But the point being, I think that that frees you up to take that chance because I think you can find a backup planet corner easier than outfield. And then you have the luxury of moving in the outfield if you, if you need to. Well, it's the thing where we're, you know, we're always fighting biases and I'm kind of fighting a recency bias here, not even relating to Jordan Walker, but to passing on Julio Rodriguez everywhere last year, like not chasing that upside. And now Jordan Walker does not have Julio Rodriguez upside. And again, James kind of threw some cold water on him at this range, but there's a certain point in the draft where the margins between players really thin out. And I want to take some stabs at that. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned Rodriguez. And, yeah, every few years there's someone like that that comes through. We're forgetting about the eight other guys yeah. that you are correct to not draft at their elevated price. Mm-hmm. You want to call one of them Vlad early on? We can do that. We can do Wander Franco. <laughs> there yeah. are there, We can do Jared Kalanick. So we, have to, we can't get caught up in that. Are you know in that one you know in, in you know that in chasing some, you know, the Julio and yeah. they're gonna get out there and they're gonna do victory laps whoever did it and okay but you know you didn't tell us the the eight times that you were you had to drop and do twenty pushups because you got it wrong. I remember in my main events last year I was in the fifth round and yeah, Julio was there and I, I really wanted to take him but I took Alec Mano instead and Alec Mano was great. But that hesitation to kind of – it just felt like it was pushing it a little too hard at the time, whereas maybe I should have kept an open mind and, uh, yeah, gone chasing a little bit. Because now, again, Jordan Walker, not that kind of player, but uh, still a lot of upside in a guy like that. For a team like St. Louis, I, I like I like the stab on, on Jordan Walker probably more than – and some we'll see if he actually makes the opening day roster then he could uh become a pretty hot commodity 
Jordan Walker was the last guy on my list, Todd. Any other risers or fallers that you got uh, for the roundtable that come to mind? Um, Just some players that I went over in general. I know these – I mean, the fact that I raised Acuna is not going to matter that much because he's still ranked really high. I, I, I brought Acuna up. I think I brought – you mentioned Lars Nootbaar. I think I, uh, I think I brought Lars Nootbaar up a little bit. You know, one thing I did, and I know these aren't the interesting people because they're first rounders and who cares. But um, in the first round table, I had Mookie Betts ranked 18th or 19th. And I'm like, eh, you know what? I, I feel as though I feel that that's wrong. And before the next one, I'm going to raise him. So I'm going to just put him 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th now. Well, I've looked at Mookie Betts and I, I've now readjusted to where I originally had him ranked. And that is, you know, second round quality in a 15 teamer. Um, the batting average, I'm just not as confident. And the other thing about the Dodgers is they're still going to be really good. But are they going to score as many runs as they did last season? And as the leadoff hitter, you get fewer plate appearances. You get fewer, I think, especially RBI because the back end of their order. So I think I think Betts is going to take some, some, some production hits and not – be the kind of wheel draft choice that I thought. I think he's kind of into the second round anymore now. So I, I dropped Mookie Betts a little bit. Hmm. Well, I know Eric Halterman is, you know, working on that. So the second installment of the Rotowire roundtable should be up. Uh, if not today, then later this uh, week. And I'll take my, I, w- I was late. It's, it's not Eric. It's my fault. I, uh, <laughs> I got them in later than Eric asked for, but um, anyway. All good, man. I, I'm just glad we're doing more of these. And uh, you know, earlier in the year, I think the people like this little exercise. I also jumped up uh, Jeremy Pena just a little. Oh, I'm such a mark, but that uh, he's looking swole. Oh, he, not, was, he was swole last year. Yeah, I'm not saying I bumped him up. Yeah, because of that bicep pick, but I'm not saying I didn't. <laughs> well, uh, he was like he was. He had worked out previous. That was part of. Part of yeah. why I was on him a little bit last year, traded him in my two keeper leagues. So we'll see how much I li- live to regret it, re- re- regret it, regret it long term. But um, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't remember. I could have. I, maybe next week or whenever, I'll have a little bit better idea of who I. I didn't. Wasn't thinking about guys I moved up or down. Those just happened to be the ones because they were near the top that I that I do know that I moved because I I, pre- I profiled outfielders a little later than I normally do this year. So um, some of these top outfielders I moved later on, you know, later, later uh, relative to the uh, last round table. Well, Jeremy Pena looks like he's preparing for a WrestleMania match or something. He's just <laughs> out of control, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for, for us today. Unless Todd, you got anything else on your mind real quick. I know we're a little over an hour. Uh, part of Palooza friend, Justin Mason, Fred with fantasy benefits. Uh, TGFBI kicking off the TGFBI drafting. I will be moderating a sleeper starting pitching panel at five o'clock PM ET on Saturday, I believe. So check my feed, check Justin's feed. Uh, We're going to be talking for an hour about some sleeper starting pitchers. Um, Jason, Justin does a great job with this pod, uh, uh, donating money, getting money, uh, along with the TGFBI. Um, how's your TGFBI league? They're all tough. You know, yeah, I've, 
I think I have Bloomfield, but I didn't really look it over to be honest that much. Yeah, I got Murphy. I, you got you got you got you got Ryan. I got Ray from uh, HQ. I have you know a lot of ton, a lot of uh, a lot of tough um, uh, players as well. And hopefully they're looking at us and going, "We got Link, we got Zola." So it, it all evens out. Yeah, let the well. I don't know. Maybe somebody has three league titles already, but no, uh, no. So the first to three is still a race, huh? The I first to two. Oh, uh, league titles. Yeah, league titles. Oh, I, I don't think know. maybe I don't know. I want to be the first to three, but I think somebody might have. Yeah, you know, a bunch. Uh, several people have two. But that's going to do it for us. Really great stuff, Todd. Thank you all for being with us. We are sponsored by Fantrax and Underdog Fantasy. We'll be back with you next week. Clay and Todd on the Friday edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast.